0: Of heights, to the depths of the sea.
1: Now this is kind of interesting. After all that, you know, what is the sign that the Lord will heal me? That I will go up to the house of the Lord on the third day? This word "sign" literally means miracle. What is the evidence? What is the token? And this is the very same word that we see in Matthew's gospel. In the Greek, it's the same kind of word. When you remember when we just looked at this a couple weeks ago on Sunday morning where the Pharisees and the scribes says, Teacher, we want to see a sign from you. It's the same thing. What will you show us? What miracle will you show us? What token?
0: everyone and thank you for joining us you're listening to truth in christ radio a bible teaching radio ministry of calvary chapel of rochester with senior pastor and teacher rob kellogg after god healed hezekiah he showed him even more mercy god was under no obligation to give a sign but in real love god gave hezekiah more than he needed or deserved god shows the same mercy to us it should be enough for God to simply say to us, I love you. But God did so much to demonstrate his love to us. In the book of John, chapter 3, verse 16, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Now here's Pastor Rob.
1: Go and anoint Samuel. You shall anoint him commander. And the word is Nagid. Commander. Same word in Daniel chapter 9 verse 25 as the Lord is talking about this 70 week prophecy of Daniel. What does he say in verse 25 of Daniel 9? Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and build Jerusalem until Messiah the Prince, the Mashiach Nagid. Same word here. The commander of my people. And here it's speaking of Jesus. And now he's using that same word to say, go tell the Nagid of my people. Go tell Hezekiah. What encouragement that must be. And, And then, you know, it even gets better than that. And it's as if the Lord found his sincerity and his humility irresistible. I mean, think about it. God could have just told Isaiah the prophet just to go home. But as he's leaving the king's presence, the king is crying his eyes out, pouring his heart out in true repentance, in true seeking God. And God says, wait a minute, Isaiah, I can't, my heart can't let you take another step. You need to go back in him and give him a message for me. And see, God hasn't changed. He's the same for you and I. When we, when we, when we take a, a baby step toward him, he's running to us. He wants to bless. He wants to encourage your heart. He doesn't want to condemn you. Yes, there are things that we do wrong. And yes, we do need to turn from them. Yes, all those things are true. But he wants to bring you to himself. And so I love the scripture in Isaiah 42, verse 3, where it says, A bruised reed he shall not break, and a smoking flax he will not quench. And Hezekiah was like a bruised reed. It should be standing up straight, but he's just feeling so overwhelmed by his sickness and and wondering. And and, Lord, I've done all these good things. And he's a a bruised reed. There's just a little bit of an ember left. He's like a smoking flax. And you have to come and... And you wave your hand trying to blow that thing, hoping a spark will take off. And then a small little flame, and then you add some stuff to the pile and there's a fire. You see that when you go camping, don't you? Unless you're like me and I get one of those little sticks that you just throw it underneath there and you light it and walk away and then you got a fire. Hallelujah. But uh, (laughs) a smoking flax he will not quench. What does it say in James? Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. But first the way is down and then he lifts you up. Not the other way around. I don't go up. If I go up, he's going to bring me down. But if I am down... He's going to lift me up. And that's exactly what he did to to Hezekiah. Notice what he says here in verse 5. Return and tell Hezekiah, Isaiah, the leader of my people. And notice the God of David, your father. Notice that God hears our prayers despite what we think or feel. But notice that the Lord addressed himself to Hezekiah as the God of your father, David. David. Underline that because that's really significant because it was a means to remind him to remind Hezekiah in this dark period of his life where he wasn't sure he was going to make it. From his point of view, he was going out. And God says, go tell the commander of my people, the God, the father of your father, the God of your father, David. Why David? Why did he say that phrase? Turn with me to 2 Samuel chapter 7. This is a, a, an area in the scripture that I love to go to. And it's one that you'll probably remember for the rest of your life because I visit it so much. It's the Davidic Covenant. You can write the reference down if you want. I'm going to read it to you right now. It's 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 8-16. through 16. It's the Davidic covenant. And God is reminding Hezekiah in this dark hour of his life, thinking that he's on his way out, God reminds him, I am the God of your father David, Hezekiah. Don't forget that. Because what did God say to David when he became king? When David wanted to build God a house, God says, David, you can't build me a house. Your hands are filled with blood. Your son Solomon, he's going to build a house, but not you. But because it was right in your heart, I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to build you a house, David. And he goes and he says in verse 8, Now therefore, thus shall you say to my servant David, Thus says the Lord of hosts, I took you from the sheepfold, God says to David, from following the sheep to be ruler, there it is, over my people. Over Israel. And I have been with you wherever you have gone and have kind of cut off all your enemies from before you and have made you a great name like the name of the great men who are on the earth. And moreover, I will appoint a place for my people Israel and I will plant them. Now, think of how this would feel. I mean, I wonder if Hezekiah, as he's hearing this, God say, I'm the God of your father David. I can't help but wonder if Hezekiah was remembering that covenant. That God made to David. That was going to go through him as well. And I think that's a good thing. Don't be discouraged. Hezekiah. I'm the God of your father, David. Do you remember what I told David? And we're reading it right now. Since the time that I commanded judges to be over my people and have caused you to rest from all of your enemies, also the Lord tells you that he will make you a house. And when your days are fulfilled and you rest with your fathers, I will set up your seed after you. Yes, it's speaking of Christ in the long haul, but in the mid haul, it's speaking of all these different kings, including Hezekiah, who was young and near death at this moment. He shall build me a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. Hezekiah, the line that you're in is going to extend on forever. Remember that. And it, I will be his father and he shall be my son. If he commits iniquity, I will chasten him with the rod of men and with the blows of the son of men. That didn't appeal, That you know, uh, anyway, so, but my mercy, notice verse 15, shall not depart from him, as I took it from Saul, whom I removed from before you, and your house and your kingdom shall be established. How sure is God? Did he say might? I, I don't know. You know, your kingdom might go on, I don't know, but you're not really a good boy today. You're really not, I just don't, think, did you tie this week? Did you help the elderly woman across the street? Did you help Virginia Root put her groceries away? If not, I don't know. I don't know. It might happen, but it doesn't look so good. Is that the way God is? No, he says, and your house and your kingdom shall be established. That is God's unmerited favor. It shall be established forever. Your throne shall be established for, He repeats it like three times. Don't forget this, Hezekiah. And, our, our, you know, isn't it true that when you're going through difficult times, like that, that's when you need that encouragement. And God was going to make sure. And I think just by saying the phrase, I'm the God of your father, David. He could have said, I'm the God of your father, Ahaz. <laughs> No, he said, I'm the God of your father, David. It's to David that I gave that covenant all the way through. Even Ahaz to you, and it's going to go on, and it's ultimately going to be into Christ. It's going to be speaking of Christ. So verse 6, And I will add to your days 15 years. I will deliver you, notice, and this city from the hand of the king of Assyria. And I will defend this city for my own sake, and for my own sake, and for the sake of my servant David. Notice what the Lord did here. He gave him the promise of 15 more years. I mean, there is a blessing, certainly, of having more life to live, especially when you know God has given you 15 years. See, I don't even know what tomorrow holds. I don't know that I have tomorrow. I could die in my sleep tonight. But if God says you're going to have 15 years, you're going to have 15 years. And he did. He had 15 years. God held Hezekiah's breath in his hand just like he does us. He gave him his end date. Now, most people never have that. They don't have, they don't know their terminus. They don't know when their end is. And this to me is a blessing and a curse because what would you do with those 15 years? Think about that. If God told you tonight, you've got 15 years, what are you going to do with those 15 years? Oh my goodness. It'd be one thing if the Lord told me I had three weeks to live, but I got 15 years? Hmm, what would I do? What would you do? You know, pharmaceutical companies, they make these products to make you look younger, make you have younger skin, removing wrinkles, sagging skin under the eyes and chin. People are clamoring to do anything to live longer, to look younger. And God says, you got 15 years, Isaiah. And also he told him, he says, that he would deliver him, notice, I'm going to deliver you from the king of Assyria and the city of Jerusalem. Those two things, that's really encouraging. And why was God doing it? Was he doing it because Hezekiah was such an exemplary character? He was a great man. But notice what God says. I'm doing this for my own sake and for my servant David, for the promises that we've read tonight. I'm doing it for his sake as well. And I'm doing it through him, to you, and onward. Again, because of the covenant that God had made to David. See, God is serious about promises. And he will keep his promises even though we don't most of the time. And we have to remember, it is about Jesus Christ. It's not about us. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's about Jesus, right? I'm so glad. Doesn't that remove, doesn't that take all the angst out of you when, it, when it's all about him? and it's not about me, then, and, and God's not worried about your performance, just relax. Just be who God made you to be and relax and enjoy him. And if you can do that, you can be more of a witness than if you're all tied up in knots going, i got to do something, i got to go witness, i got to go lay this track down on the table, i got to, <laughs> you know, and you're, you're sweating bullets, trying to make something happen, trying to do things to prove to somebody, to God, to the church, to the pastor, that I'm really all that. And God's going, just relax. Just relax. He gives his beloved sleep. Oh, <laughs> don't you love sleep? At this time of the night, everyone's going. Yeah, hurry up, will ya? I do. I love naps. I love to sleep. It's one of my favorite things. One of my favorite sports, because I roll over a lot. So I think of it as a sport. It's a sport. But God gives this promise, and notice, and then he gives him another promise. On the third day, that he would go up to the house of the Lord. Are you kidding me? I can't even get out of bed. No, in three days, you're going to rise, and you're going to go to the house of the Lord. That means that he's going to be well enough in three days to go do it. Then Isaiah said, take a lump of figs. So they took a lump uh, of figs, laid it on the boil, and notice, and he recovered. Now, I don't know if there is anything intrinsic about the lump of figs, that it had something in it to, to do the job. I have no idea. The Bible doesn't tell us. It could be one of those things where it was just a point of contact, something to do that would, uh, you know, And figs we know is about Israel, and, you know, there's something symbolic maybe to that. And, but, you know, it, it probably had nothing to do with the figs themselves. Maybe there was a chemical in it. Maybe I don't know. Maybe God whispered into Isaiah's ear, you know grab a lump of figs and put them together, and like a poultice, you know, put it on his boil, and who knows, it doesn't really matter. God could have done it without it, couldn't he? He could have, right? He could have just spoke and the thing would have vanished and everybody's jaw would hit the ground. He could have done that. But notice in verse 8 that Hezekiah said to Isaiah, what is the sign? Now, this is kind of interesting after all that. you know, What is the sign that the Lord will heal me, that I will go up to the house of the Lord on the third day? This word sign literally means miracle. What is the evidence? What is the token? And this is the very same word that we see in Matthew's gospel. In the Greek, it's the same kind of word. When, you Remember when we just looked at this a couple weeks ago on Sunday morning where the Pharisees and the scribes says, Teacher, we want to see a sign from you. It's the same thing. What will you show us? What miracle will you show us? What token? And then Isaiah said to him, This is the sign from the Lord, that the Lord will do the thing, notice, which he has spoken to you. Do you notice the difference? Remember, we've talked about this, that God does miracles um, not just for fun. He he does miracles to confirm what he has spoken. That what he has spoken is true. Therefore, he does something as like a a, a sign to prove that what I said is going to come to pass. It's never the other way around. It's always God's word, and then the miracle, or the token, or something that encourages my faith. You see it throughout the Bible. And Hezekiah answered, "It's an easy thing for the shadow to go down ten degrees because that's normal. That's just that happens every day. No big deal for it to go forward, but." Uh, and, but but for the shadow to go down 10 degrees, and th- this word degrees literally means steps. Um, in the NIV, for this very verse, it says that um, the prophet Isaiah called to the Lord, and the Lord made a shadow go back, and the 10 steps, or the, the uh, steps, it, it had gone down on the stairway of Ahaz. So evidently, Ahaz had made this stairway, probably next to his house or something, and depending on where the sun went on the day, Probably it, it would be like a clock for us. Like on the seventh step, maybe it'd be seven in the morning. On the twelfth step, it'd be you know whatever. You kind of get the idea. So they were figuring it out, and I uh, Hezekiah or Ahaz, excuse me, made this sundial or this uh, steps that would show the sunlight at certain times in the day. So Isaiah the prophet, verse eleven, cried out to the Lord, and he brought the shadow. Notice, he brought the shadow 10 degrees backward by which it had gone down on the sundial or the stairway of Ahaz. Notice that the shadow came back 10 degrees. It doesn't say the sun itself did. Now, could God do that? Could God make the sun? Yes, he could. And it's very possible he did. And I'm not offering any solutions. If you know, But it, it's, it is interesting how it says the shadow. He brought the shadow back. Now, God, who made uh, the, all the laws of the universe and set everything in motion, can he pull back something and let it go again and, and it'll keep going? I mean, he could do that. Is it possible that somehow he refracted that light by another heavenly body at the, at, just at that moment to come and intercede for it and it would reflect and do something unique? He could have done that too. I kind of like the bigger thing myself. I don't really care how he did it. And there's been a lot of debate. No, you, know, you can get into all that, and people argue about stuff like that. I don't. I'm like, whether it's the shadow or the sun makes no difference. Either way, he did it. <laughs> Either way, he did it. God did a similar thing in Joshua's life. In Joshua chapter 10, he, he allowed the day to go extended much, much, much longer. And what did God do there? It just says that he stopped the sun and the moon and it halted. So, can he do it? I think he can. I think he's big enough to do it. If he's able to speak and it comes into existence, I think even in the natural laws of order, he can, if he so chooses, he can do something that would normally cause chaos in the universe. And he has the ability to fix it in real time at the moment. Just like that. How big is your God? I think he's that big because if he can speak and something comes in if I said Lord a cheeseburger right now would be really nice a big fat one with cheese on it right here and all of a sudden a plate appeared and then I'm waiting for the the cheeseburger to show up and God will go psych (laughs) not going to bring you that no so you get the idea I think he's big now remember that God is omnipotent he 's all powerful He can do whatever he wants now, between verses eleven and twelve and I hate to do this to you but i 'm going to between verses eleven and twelve um, is what could be called hezekiah 's lament and his praise it 's not recorded for us here in second kings chapter twenty, but it is recorded in isaiah chapter thirty eight specifically verses 9 through 20. And I'd like to read that, just read it to you, because this is the lament at this point in time where Hezekiah is pouring out his heart to God. Again, it's not in, recorded here, but it is recorded in Isaiah chapter 38, 9 through 20, and this is what it is. This is the writing of Hezekiah, king of Judah, when he had been sick and had recovered from his sickness. He said, in the, I, I said, "In I, uh, Hezekiah speaking, I said, "I'm in the prime of my life. I shall go to the gates of Sheol. I'm deprived of the remainder of my years." I said, "I shall not see Yah or Yahweh, the Lord in the land of the living. I shall observe no more no man no more among the inhabitants of the world. My lifespan is gone. Take from me like a sh- taken from me like a shepherd's tent." I have cut off my life like a weaver. He cuts me off from the loom. From day unto night, you make an end of me. And I have considered uh, until morning, uh, I have considered until morning, like a lion. So he breaks all my bones. From day unto night, you make an end of me. It sounds very similar to David's lament. But here Hezekiah is pouring out his heart to God, what he felt when he was on, on the verge of death. What shall I say? He has both spoken to me, and here's where things turn around. And he himself has done it. I shall walk carefully all my years in the bitterness of my soul. O oh Lord, by these things men live, and all and in all these things is the life of my spirit. So you will restore me and make me live. Indeed, it was for my own peace that I had great bitterness. But you have lovingly delivered my soul from the pit of corruption. For you have cast all my sins behind your back. Never forget that verse, saints. If I, Hezekiah can say that, when God forgives you, what does he do? He chooses to never look on it again. You're going to always think about what you've done, perhaps, but I would encourage you to forget it as quickly as God forgets it because when it is under the blood of Christ, he's never going to go look back and go, remember what you did three weeks ago? I can't believe what you did. You remember the horrible thing you did and the thing you thought? If it's under the blood, he's going to go, I don't know what, what, what did you do last week? What did you do three weeks ago? And the devil's going, I'll tell you. He goes, shut up. I chose to forget it. Why? Because the blood of Christ covers it. And when the blood of Christ covers it, God forbid that any of us should go and look at it again. If you're struggling tonight over something that you've never forgiven, God has forgiven you, but you haven't forgiven yourself, get over that. (laughs) Let God heal you of that. And move on. Don't let your growth of your own walk with him be stunted over thinking, you know, your thoughts. The Lord was ready to save me. Therefore, he will, therefore we will sing songs with stringed instruments all the days of our life in the house of the Lord. I love that. Now, I'm going to move quickly now as we get through. Now, we're, um, we're going on to verse 12 here. And it says, At that time, Beredak Baladin, the son of Baladin, king of Babylon, he sent letters and a present to Hezekiah, for he had heard that Hezekiah had been sick. Now, Baradak Baladin was king of Babylon uh, on two different occasions. The first one was in 722 to 710 B.C., and his second stint was in 703 to 702 B.C. And Sargon, remember we talked about him, he was... Um, the one who was probably the one who led the northern captivity uh, after Shalmaneser died in 705, it was probably Sargon, his son, who actually took the children of Israel into uh, Assyria. But um, Sargon II dethroned Baradek Baladin around 710 BC, and um, and thus, and, and the purpose of this visit of Beredec Baladin was evidently to make an alliance with Hezekiah against Assyria.
0: Assyria... That's the end of our lesson for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of 2 Kings. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m., Monday through Friday at area code 585,